Amen. It's all about that precious blood of our Lord and Savior that was shed on Mount Calvary that makes it possible for us to have a relationship with the creator of this universe. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Joshua chapter 4. We're going to look at the first seven verses as we continue our study on keys to acquiring the promised land. Now, last week we saw the children of Israel. They had made it to the Jordan River. You know, the priest had gone before them with the ark of God. Joshua commanded the priest, go ahead and step forth in the water, you know, and as they did, as they had faith to take that step, even though the water was out of its banks, as they stepped forth, the, the, we're told that the water dried up for a distance of some 20 miles in order to allow 2 million people to walk across that dry land, taking another step to acquiring the land that God had prepared for them some 40 years before when the previous generation refused to make that crossing across the river. They had trusted their leader. They had followed the word of God. They had stepped out in faith. They had stepped out in obedience. And as a result, they saw the mighty hand of God work yet another miracle. You know, what shouting, you know, that must have been, you know, as this generation who were now more obedient than the previous, as they began, you know, seeing that water just, you know, dry, uh, you know, stand up on its ends, I guess. I don't know how it happened, but all we know is the Bible says that God dried up that land across that river for a distance of some 20 to 30 miles, and it wasn't just mud. Let me tell you, it says they walked across on dry land. So not only did God part those waters, but God sucked up all the moisture that was in the riverbed of that river, and they marched across. I guarantee you there was some shouting going on. They may not have been Baptists because they probably shouted, okay? You know, and I believe there was some shouting going on as they began to walk and see the miracle that God had performed because of their obedience within their lives. But this morning, I want to focus on what God instructed them to do do once they crossed that Jordan. In other words, as they got across the other side, I want to focus on what God had them to do because what God had them to do, folks, is something I think we ought to practice today. Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan. In other words, after they all 20 million had crossed over on the dry land, as they had actually got to the bank on the other side, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, All right, here's what I want you to do. Take you 12, 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe a man. 12 tribes, I want you to grab one guy out of each tribe. And he commanded them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. And Joshua called the twelve men uh, who uh, had prepared uh, of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said to them, I want you to pass over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the midst of the Jordan, and take up every man a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel. 
that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean you about these uh, stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When they passed over the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel. In other words, what God instructed Joshua to do, I want you to pick out one man from every tribe of the nation Israel. I want them to go back to where the priests are still standing. Now, the priests are still standing. They're holding that ark in the middle of the Jordan. I want you to go back where their feet are. I want you to go back where they're standing. And I want each man to take one stone i want them to bring it across the jordan i want them to sit it down okay because i am going to have you to build a memorial so that and when future generations sees this rocks piled up on one another these 12 rocks and they ask what what is the meaning of these 12 rocks you can share with them the miracle that god performed getting you to the promised land so let's take a look at the building of this memorial when all the people were across joshua told them go get these stones bring them back here not only that you know he said now also in verse 9 he tells them i want you to go back and i want I want you to get 12 more stones and I want you to put them up right there in the middle of the river. So if you want to, I mean, look at this. He, he, he has them tw- bring 12 across the river, set it up on the shore, build that. And then he tells them in verse 9, go back and grab 12 more and put them right there in the middle of the river bed. So when they were finished, Joshua had them go over and do this. So as soon as the feet of uh, priests you know we're back up on the riverbed we see that the waters started flowing again so the priests were standing there they grabbed 12 stones they take them across they come back where the priests are still standing they build another memorial right in the middle of the riverbed the priest and they walk out and as soon as they do the water comes back Folks, that's a miracle from God. Let's look at four important facts about this miracle. First of all, the 12 stones came out of a dry riverbed. That's important to understand. A dry riverbed. It's important to note that it's recorded here that the feet of the priest was on dry ground right in the middle of that Jordan. God wanted it understood that he and he only is the one who completely dried up this riverbed. You know, God wanted it understood that it was he that performed this miracle. It was the result of the hand of God, not as a result of some earthquake, that shifted the earth and I've heard that taught before you may too that well what actually happened there was a big earthquake and it kind of split things open no folks it was the hand of God and that's why God specified there that they were standing in the middle of that riverbed dried up there's no other explanation but the hand of God also the 12 stones come from the very place the priest stood this is important to understand The stones they were to get were stones that came from the very place where the priest stood. Now, what's important about that is because what were the priests holding? They were holding the Ark of the Covenant of God. 
You see, it was where the ark was that these stones came from. Now, what's the significance of that is, remember, the ark of the covenant that the priest held represented the presence of God. So by, by, by them going and getting the stones where the ark of the covenant was, it's actually saying, you know, that what we see here is that it came from the presence of God. These stones that this memorial was built came as a, a, from right where the presence of God was, right in the middle of this dried-up riverbed. These stones, once in place, would make a statement about the presence of God in this place. Now, the next thing we see is the 12 stones were to be placed on the promised land side of the Jordan. Now, you say, what's so significant about that? Let's talk about that for a moment. They, they, these stones were not to be placed where they had came from. Rather, these stones, this memorial was to be set up where God had led them to. Okay, let me say that again. These stones were not to be set up. This memorial was not to set, be set up from where they had come from. This memorial was to be set up to where God had led them to. Now, if there was ever a temptation for them to retreat, okay, when they got back to this place where the stones were, they would be reminded of the presence of God who had gone before them and won their victories. So by being on the promised land side, if they ever said, this is more than what we expected, when they got back, they would see this memorial and it would be a reminder to them the presence of God is in this place. The presence of God is here. Now, the fourth thing here is the 12 stones would serve as a reminder to future generations what God had done for this obedient generation. Joshua did as the Lord commanded him. They spoke to the people of Israel in verse 6 and 7 saying, When your children ask you in time, what are these stones piled up here for? Then you shall tell your children that Israel came over the Jordan on dry land, took these stones from the middle of the riverbed, piled them up for a witness. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan while you were passing over just as he did the Red Sea when your fathers passed over it. He did this, he did this so that all the people of the earth would know the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you would fear the Lord your God forever. Now let's do a comparison here about the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan. You know, some would say, well, this is the exact same, you know, thing. You know, God parted the Red Sea, the children went over, the waters came back down. All God did was, you know, do the same thing again with the Jordan. He parted the waters, the people went over, and, you know, it was all the same miracle from God. The miracle in itself may have been the same process, but it was two different things. And let me point that out to you. Some feel that both served the same purpose and had the same results. But a closer look at this shows that's not the case. You see, Israel crossing of the Red Sea. Okay, remember, this is after they had been freed from the bondage of Egypt. They was leaving Egypt. They got to the Red Sea, and, and Pharaoh's army was chasing them because he had changed his mind about releasing them. So they get to the Red Sea, okay? This is a picture. When God parted the Red Sea, this is a picture of the believers being delivered 
from the bondage of sin. So the miracle that God performed at the Red Sea was signifying that God's people had been delivered from bondage. Let's talk about that. They were fleeing bondage. They had been held captive for all these years, and now they were free. So the crossing of the Red Sea is a picture of a person or a church making the decision to remove themselves from bondage. That is the, was the purpose of the Red Sea, because they had been held in bondage, and the parting of the Red Sea was a picture of, of a church or an individual being delivered from the bondage of sin. How many churches today are in bondage to, to, uh, to tradition, in bondage to the mentality of we've never did it that way for, before, in bondage of the traditional ruts that are leading them away from God rather than leading them to God? You know, a bad thing about ruts is... If you fall into a rut, you lose control of where you would want to go. Now, we all live in East Texas, okay? And if you live in East Texas, you've probably been on an old logging road before. And if you've been on an old logging road before, you know you better straddle those ruts. Because if you ever slip off in that rut that these log trucks have left, where are you going? Where those ruts lead. Where those ruts lead. Folks, I'm afraid there's many churches in the United States of America today that have fell into a rut and they're not able to go where God would have them lead or lead them. They're going to where those ruts would lead them to be. You see, the need for some churches is to first cross the Red Sea. In other words, remove themselves from the bondage of the rut that they're in. If they're ever going to be where God wants them to be, if they're ever going to be to uh, make it to that promised land God has for them, they first got to cross the Red Sea. In other words, they first have to remove themselves from the bondage that they're in, whatever that bondage might be. So Israel's crossing of the Jordan River pictures the believers claiming their inheritance in Jesus Christ. So the picture of the Red Sea was being delivered. The picture of the Jordan is receiving or claiming what God has promised. That's the difference in the two crossings here. You see, crossing of the Jordan is a picture of a person or a church making the decision to claim what God has promised them. They've crossed the Red Sea because they made the decision, I want out of this bondage. Now they come to the River Jordan and they say, okay, if I'm going to get what God has for me, if we're going to receive what God has for us as a church, or if I'm going to receive what God has for me as an individual, I've also got to have faith to cross this Jordan River that I'm about to face in my life. You see, they were not crossing in order to leave something, talking about with the Jordan. They were not crossing the Jordan in order to leave something. They were crossing the Jordan in order to receive something. And that's the difference in the two crossings. That's the difference in the two crossings. You cross the Red Sea because you're leaving something. You're leaving bondage. You cross the Jordan River because you want to receive what God has for you in your life. You see, before we as individuals or as a church ever come to a Jordan, there must have first been the crossing of a Red Sea. 
And again, what's the Red Sea representative of? Leaving some bondage in your life. Leaving something that has you in bondage, not being able to receive the things that God has for you. So before you can ever receive the good stuff that God has for you, listen, you've got to first be willing to leave whatever is holding you in bondage within your life. In other words, we must have faith, you know, that, uh, and cross that Red Sea, making the decision to leave what held us in bondage. And this is when we begin to be coming, uh, coming to the Jordans of life, having to make the decision, if by faith I'm willing to follow God and cross over and receive the things that he has for me. So let's, what, what's the principle for the church today? Now, Joshua was a type of Christ, okay, who leads us from day to day into the inheritance he's planned for us. Crossing the Jordan, we got to understand this. It's not a one-time event for an individual or a church. It's a lifetime of events. Churches or individuals are going to come to Jordans in their life periodically throughout life. And it's at that time we got to decide, okay, here's another Jordan. Am I going to cross it or am I going to stay on this side of it? Am I going to cross it and receive the great stuff God has for me? Or is it just going to be too tough? You know why some churches never come out of a rut? Because it takes effort to do so. Okay, it takes effort. It takes making some tough decisions. But if we're ever going to receive what God has for us on that side of the Jordan, Folks, we've got to be willing to make those tough decisions in life. We come to Jordans all throughout our life. That's why it's important to mark these victories with a memorial so that when we come to another Jordan, we can look at the past victories that God has brought us through, and it makes it easier for us to make the decision to put our foot in the water the next time. That's why God had them build a memorial, so that they could always be reminded Here's what God has done for us in the past. And if God will do this for us in the past, then God will do this for us today. If God will do this for us in the past and God will do it for us today, then God will do it for us tomorrow. Folks, you need memorials within your life to remind you of what God has done within your life in the past. And that way, when you, when you come to another Jordan, you know, you look there and you say, well, hey, God brought me through this. You know, there's a memorial that I built to remind me of this. You know, Paul once said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, listen, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Where are those things? Across the Jordan. You're not going to find those things on this side of the Jordan. The things that God has prepared for you as an individual the thing that God has prepared for us as a church, folks, is not on this side of the Jordan. It's on the other side. He went on to say, but God has revealed them to us, you know, by his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, though the ultimate fulfillment of this passage is speaking what God has for us prepared in heaven, you know, for the saved, but the prefillment of this passage here is what God has for us while we're still here on the earth. God has some great things in store for you as an individual while you're still here on this earth. Yeah, he's got some great things ultimately for you when you draw that last breath. But folks, I want to enjoy the things that God has for me today. 
I want to enjoy those things. Because they, if God hasn't prepared for me, wouldn't it stand to reason there's some great things? Because we serve a great God. I want those things. So I want to cross the, any Jordan that I come to. You know, God has great things in store for us. But the question is, are we willing to step out in faith and receive those things that God has for them? It's going to be a challenge. But are we willing to put our foot in the water and expect those waters to dry up? Look here, as we stand at the bank of the Jordan River, as we are confronted with and challenged with what's frightening, but also thrilling in terms of opportunity, don't you know as then people got up to that river and the, the priests got there and, you know, as, as, as Joshua said, y'all go ahead and take a step. Look here, the waters were still there. They were still out of their bank. It was some thousand yards across. Do you think it was kind of um, exciting? Or do you think it was kind of the people saying, oh, wait a minute, you want us to put our foot in that water? But look here, by them doing that, it was a challenge. By them priests taking that first step, that was a challenge. But you know what? It was, may have been frightening too. What, what is going on here? Okay. What is going on? Remember this. That generation had heard of the crossing of the Red Sea. But nobody was told to put their foot in the water at the Red Sea. Moses was just told to hold up his staff. But these people were told, put your foot in the water. Put your foot in the water. You know, sometimes God is going to have you do something that may not be comfortable in your life. God is going to have you do something in order to receive that he has for you that may be a challenge and a frightening thing in your life. Let's go ahead and finish this thought here. As we stand at the bank of the Jordan River, as we're confronted and challenged with what is frightening but also thrilling in terms of opportunity, we'll discover that these crossover times, even though they're filled with tremendous potential difficulty, only give God a greater opportunity to demonstrate his power, his care, his concern, and his activity in our life. Don't miss that last part there. Don't miss that last part. These opportunities, these times that God is telling us to put your foot in the water and trust me, these things only give a greater opportunity for God to prove who he is in your life. For God to prove, I am your God. For God to prove, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. For God to prove to you his power, his care, his concern, and his activity in your life. If you never had these challenges, folks, you, you wouldn't know what God could do. You wouldn't know what God could do. You know, that's all hurdles are for. Every one of us in here today has probably come to what we would call a hurdle in our life. We're running the race. We're running the race. And all of a sudden, here's a hurdle. Who? Is this hurdle going to stop me from running the race? Am I going to stop at that hurdle? Or am I going to try to jump over that? You know, that's all roadblocks are for. Okay? It's to stop us from moving forward for God. That's all enemies are for. It's to distract us and discourage us from moving forward 
but for God. But you know what? It's by faith that we can trust God. And listen, folks, if we by faith trust God, He can knock down any hurdle that we come to. He can bash any roadblock that we come to. He can overcome and have victory over any enemy that stands before us. It's when we step out in faith that God is able to work. If you never step out in faith, step out in faith, you'll never see what God can do in your life. We want it to always be a bed of roses. We want it to be to where, you know, nothing goes wrong in our life. We want it to be that, you know, all our life is smooth sailing. But folks, if it was, you never see what God could do. We need to invite these troubled times within our life. Boy, that's, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. We need to invite these troubled times in our life. If you want to see what God can really do in your life, you just, you just have faith in whatever hurdle, whatever roadblock, or whatever enemy becomes to, uh, comes to you. If we step out in faith, we're going to see God work. It's when we're willing to put our foot in the Jordan that God can do great and mighty things. It's when we're willing to say, Charge! As we're standing at a, at a Jordan and we're willing to say charge and let's move over that we give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate his care, to demonstrate his concern for us and his activity in our life. Listen, when you face in a Jordan in your life, just charge, <laughs> just go forward, just go forward because on the other side of that Jordan on the other side of that hurdle on the other side of that roadblock God has something great for you but if you're never willing to put your feet in the water and you decide to stay on this side of the Jordan because I don't know I don't know if those waters will part I don't know if I'll be able to cross over there you're never going to receive what God has for you it'll always be on the other side of the Jordan and you'll never receive it. You know what would be worse than that? For it to be on the other side of the Jordan, but right there on the bank on the other side, and you're able to see it, but never able to reach out and get it. All because you're not willing to move forward for God. Far too many churches are never willing to give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power. Because they're not willing to put their foot in the water. Now, memorials. Memorials of our crossing Jordan are just as important today as they were for the children of Israel back then. Now, again, the purpose of the 12 stones when Israel crossed their Jordan was so that anyone would ask, if anyone would ask, where these stones come from? What do these stones mean? They were told the wonderful story of how God brought his people safely across the Jordan into that land that he had promised years ago. Today, folks, we need some stones to remind us of crossing Jordans so that we too can be reminded and so that we too can tell others how God brought us through. How God brought us through. Look, remembering past victories increases our chances of future victories. Let me say that again. 
remembering past victories. Now, that's what the memorial was for, right? So that they could remember that past victory of crossing that Jordan. Remembering past victories increases our chance of future victories, of future things that God has for us. Uh, We mentioned this Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study, but think about David when he is about to go up against the Philistine giant. Everyone was saying to him, you're crazy. Remember, the entire Israeli army was afraid of this Palestinian giant. He stood on that hilltop across from them every day, challenging them, cursing their God, cursing Jehovah. And every one of them was afraid of this nine-foot-nine giant just because he was up there bloviating, okay? He was up there just talking all this trash. Nobody would fight him. They were scared of him. David had been out there in the field watching the sheep, and, you know, he was told to bring your brother something, you know, bring him some water, bring him some food. Go, Go get your brothers, you know, take them this stuff. So as he gets there, David comes up there and he hears this giant cussing his God and he looks around at all these grown men. Some say David wasn't but 12 or 13 years old at this time. He looks at all these guys and he says, wait a minute, you're going to let him curse our God? No one would go up against the Philistine giant. So you know what David says? I'll take him. (laughs) That's when they started calling him crazy. That's when they started saying, you're crazy, David. But you know what gave David the courage to go forward with this giant? It was some memorials that he had placed in his life. You say, what, are, what do you mean memorials? Now, I, I use the term Wednesday night, wins under the belt. But what are wins under the belt? They're memorials. David had set him up at least two memorials in his life so he could remember what God had done for him in the past. In other words, he said, well, you know what? There was a time a bear got after the sheep. And you know what I did? I killed the bear. That was a memorial he set up. God gave me victory over the bear. Then he said, you know what? There was another time a lion came in and a lion was going to try to kill my sheep. And you know what I did? I killed the lion. God gave me the power. God gave me the strength to kill the lion. And he said, if God has given me that power and God has given me that strength, these two other times, again, what were these times? Memorials that he had set up. Then who is this uncircumcised Philistine that my God can't take him down to? Look, is there something in your life that you feel is just too big to knock down, to overcome? You know what you're actually saying? That that roadblock before you, that hurdle before you, that enemy before you is bigger than your God. Now, I don't know about you. There, there's nothing bigger than my God. There's nothing bigger than my God. But when you stop and you're not willing to move forward because there's something in front of you, you're actually saying that thing is bigger than your God. What is this hurdle compared to my God? What is this roadblock compared to my God? Which is bigger, your enemy or your God? If you're not willing to go up against it, if David had not been willing to go up against Goliath, 
David would have never gave God the opportunity to show him how powerful he was. And if you're not willing to go up whatever it is that's in front of you that's stopping you from moving forward for God, you'll never give God the opportunity to demonstrate to you his power. You'll never see God work. Let me just close with this thought. When Israel crossed the Jordan River, it was not the obedient arm of the, uh, the leader that brought about the miracle as he you know, cried charge. It wasn't the arm of the leader and the faith of the leader. Rather, it was the obedient feet of the people <clears throat> that were willing to put their feet in the water and put their faith in God. That's what allowed that river to open. We can't just give the credit to the leader. All the leader done was encourage them, let's put our feet in the water. Let's see what happens. Let's put our feet in the water and let's, let, let's see what God can really do here. But it took the people being willing to step forward and see the mighty hand of God at work. Joshua could have said all day long, let's go, guys. He could have said all day long, let's cross over, guys. He could have said, let's charge. But if the people had not been willing to take that first step, I'm fully believe that nothing would have happened. And if you're not willing to take the first step in your life to acquire what God has for you, you'll never see it happen. You'll never receive what God has for you. Again, unless we're willing to step out in faith and obey God's word, we can never see the way opened for us. So what about you here today? First of all, to the child of God. Are you living your life in a way that's pleasing to God? Or are there some things in your life you know God is telling you to shed? To shed. Because it's not bringing him honor. It's not bringing him glory. And God is saying, I've got something great over here. I've got something great for you. But if you're willing to stay in bondage to whatever this is that has you tied down. You'll never receive what I've got for you. Look, if there's anything in your life that is hindering you from crossing the Jordan and receiving what God has for you. Give it to God this morning. Confess it to God this morning. And see the great things God has for you across that Jordan. Now if you're here today and you've never been saved. You know you, you need to cross the Red Sea first. You're in bondage to sin. You're in bondage to the devil. You've got to be willing to cross that Red Sea before you can ever get to the Jordan where God has really great things for you. He's got something great across that Red Sea, which is salvation. But he's got something even greater across that Jordan for his children that are obedient and willing to make whatever sacrifice is needed. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, here in just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation, and I want to invite you to come and let us, let, us, let us show you how to get to the cross of Calvary. But if you're a child of God and you know that you haven't been willing to take that step of faith and trust God in whatever it is he's been dealing with you, I encourage you this morning, take that step. Because these people would have never seen the mighty hand of God 
open that Jordan River if they wasn't willing to take the step. Let's pray.